Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. A little Mrs. Doubtfire to start us all off. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino. We got a lot of ground to cover on the show today. We got all the Bravo stuff. We got the Real House New Jersey, the Orange County finale, which, wow, wow, Orange County, wow. Got a lot of thoughts on that ending. Uh, also, there's a lot going on on the Real House's Beverly Hills. The trailer just came out. And we got this big Erica Jane moment that's happening where she threw Garcelle's book in the garbage. Ah, we have so much to talk about, and not only all of that, but I have a good friend on the show, Kelsey Knight, who many of you might know from Lady Gang Podcast. She's going to help break down some of the other stuff going on in the world of pop culture. So there's a lot happening with Britney just announced she's having a baby, which congratulations, we love Brit. J-Lo and Ben are engaged. Kardashian's got a new show on Hulu. So she's going to join me to talk about that stuff as well as some housewife stuff. So please stick around after all of these recaps to enjoy my chat with Kelsey Knight from Lady King. Now, with all of that said, we got to dive into the Bravo universe because there's so much happening. Shahs of Sunset, which has been a fantastic show. They just announced they were officially canceled. Now, I loved Shahs from the beginning, but two seasons ago when there was this big fight at a pool between Reza and MJ, to me, that just crossed a line that I could never come back from. I thought it was so low and so mean. And I wa- remember watching that episode, and I thought I would be with Shaz forever. But I watched that episode, and it got too intense for me. I did not like it, and that was when I stopped watching the show. And they lasted a whole nother season. But it was in that moment where I thought, oh, they're selling us these people as good friends who have lifelong friendships. And I just didn't see how anyone could say something like that to another person. Reza was saying things to MJ about her body and having kids, and it was so, ugh, it was so gross. So I felt like they could never come back from that. And I don't think that they ever did. I didn't watch last season, which I've heard actually was not bad. But I think some of the things that happened on that show. Now, I don't think that the Shaz Sunset cast will be gone from Bravo forever. I think that they'll show up in other ways. One of the things that I've heard sort of rumored, and I don't have any confirmation on this, but it also seems like the next step in the evolution of what they're doing with these franchises, which is The Ultimate Girls Trip, which is a show that initially aired on the Peacock streaming network, and then later has been aired on Bravo. They also did The Real House of Miami over on Peacock, and then later aired it on Bravo. It's airing there right now. But I think what they're going to do is start doing more of these like kind of cast uh, conglomerations, and they previously only done it with The Housewives, but I think they're going to start doing um where it's like some people from Shaza Sunset with Vanderpump Rules, with this one, and a housewife in there. I think they're going to start mixing them around. Kind of what they're doing on Summer House. Of course, we've seen a lot of those Southern Charm men, unfortunately, <laughs> unfortunately, popping up in our summer house. And, you know, that's not something I, I want any more of, but it's something that's certainly happening on the show. And then they do the winter house where there's people coming in and out. So I think we're going to see so much more of that on the network with some of these other shows because 
I think people have a connection to the Shaza Sunset. I mean, that was a show that was on for nine seasons. So I do think we want to check in with them. But in my opinion, or, or where I sort of think it's going to go, it's going to be like that kind of check-in. So I don't think it's going to be a big show, be like a an eight-episode kind of cast trip where they throw a bunch of people together. And uh, uh, to be honest, that sort of worries me. Because back in the day, do you remember Andy Cohen always used to say, on his show and interviews that essentially when they start doing these all-star shows, that's when it's like the franchise of the housewives is over. He said that publicly a million times. And so now it's happening on all these shows. And it's like, I need Bravo. This is what I need. I need Bravo to start giving us some new shows, some new casts that I can fall in love with. Now, Candy and the Gang, that was a great show. That was a Sunday night show, sort of like a Vanderpump Rules-esque show with Candy and Aunt Bertha and the whole, whole Candy Gang. And I think that was a great step, but it's like, we need to meet new people. I need to see new groups of friends, and I also want them to surprise us. The biggest hit right now, I think, on the network is the Below Deck franchise. Now, who would have thought a bunch of people working on a boat would be the biggest franchise? So I need them to find the next thing. I'm not sure exactly what that is. I think they need to find it, or maybe switch gears, because I'm worried... Although I like having some of these shows, like the Ultimate Girls Trip, where they're throwing, mixing people together, it concerns me a little bit, because we can't do that forever, can we? Maybe we can't. I don't know. It just feels like we need some new, I need something. I need them to find the new next franchise. I would like them to do a show like a Selling Sunset, you know, which is obviously very scripted. But what I like about Selling Sunset is there's like a little bit of the drama, but then you get the house porn. And I know Bravo's got their million dollar listings, but I would like an uh, Selling Sunset is the creator of The Hills, and it's got a very different kind of sheen to the show. It's a different kind of look. And so I would like to Bravo to experiment with some other stuff. I want them to reboot like my life on the D-list. Remember the Kathy Griffin? And I don't think that'll happen because Kathy, I think, has a situation with the network. She's, I, I don't know if they get along, but I would love to see like a my life on the D-list with another uh, comedian. I think that would be fun. Let's see that. And I also, I've said this on the show before, I used to love when Kathy would do the stand-up specials on Bravo. Would love to see a stand-up special on Bravo. I just think they need to start taking some other chances, and I'm not sure that these like all-star collections of people is the answer, but I think that's what we're going to get, and uh, I'm concerned. And maybe I'll be wrong. I've loved the Ultimate Girls trip. I can't wait for season two. I just also want to keep those on Peacock, and I want our Bravo network to do other new stuff. So we'll have to see with the Shahs of Sunset what happens, but I think those people pop up somewhere. I think some of these shows should have a natural endpoint, and we need to move on, and I think that's okay. I think we had nine seasons with the Shahs of Sunset, and I think certain shows like Vanderpump Rules, I'd be, as much as there is going on in the world of Vanderpump Rules, I also think it's time to let certain shows go, like we do in the scripted world, so... I think there are certain franchises I they should keep around forever and keep replenishing with talent and also keeping some of the OGs around. I think that's great on Housewives. But I'm okay if certain of them end. So anyway, that's what's happening over on Shaws of Sunset. Vanderpump Rules, the tra- or, I'm sorry, Real Houses of Beverly Hills, the trailer came out. I thought it looked fantastic. I'm so super excited for the new season of Beverly Hills. There's a lot happening over there. There's a new housewife that seems to get into it Sutton. She says to Sutton in the uh, trailer, she says, oh, you want a new villain? I'm the new villain. <gasps> you guys, I got so excited. I got so excited. I Beverly Hills... They went right into filming. We're barely even getting a break with The Real Houses of Beverly Hills. And it seems like there's a lot going on with Erica Jane, Bamboozle Jane, and Garcelle. Not only in the trailer does it seem like Garcelle is having a costume to fight with Bamboozle Jane. She's got the... They're all in costume. I love when they're doing a costume. Costume fight is nothing better. 
But it seems like they get into it in the season. And then just on social media, Garcelle just released her book. It came out this week. And Bamboozle Jane, she publicly on our Instagram, I think it was, threw the book in the garbage, threw it right in the trash, just like them sprinkle cookies. She put them right in the trash and she videotaped it. And she said on Instagram, she said, hey, Garcelle, I think you unfollow me. So I'm not sure you see this, but you'll see it somehow. And then it was an image, a video of her in the trash can, the book, right up along line, alongside a landline, which I'm thinking, why are you throwing away a landline in 2022? And what's on that land? I don't, I feel like there's that, uh, there has to be an answering machine attached to that landline. And I feel like there's some good juicy stuff that maybe that the authorities need to get to that landline. I feel like there was a voicemail thing attached to that big ass landline that was in the garbage of Bamboozle Jane. And I would like, I don't know, somebody needs to check that. Somebody needs to check the trash. I'm sure there are people, feds going through that trash because, you know, if there's going to learn something, they're going to see it in that trash. That's where all the bodies are buried here in the garbage. So I'm sure that, that there's people, authorities going through that. And now the authorities, as they're going through Bamboozle Jane's, uh, Bamboozle Jane's garbage, they're also going to get a fresh copy of Garcelle's book, which is out on Tuesday. Now, uh, I, I said this on Twitter. I think it's just going to help sell the book because these housewives books, they have a hard time standing out. I think they're run like an assembly line. I, they're run like an assembly line. They hired the ghostwriter. They use the same fonts on the cover. They release the book. And what happens is a lot of the news outlets, the blogs and stuff, they pick up what's juicy out of the book and they write a news story. And it'll say, you'll see on a Us Weekly or something, it'll be like the 10 biggest revelations from this housewife's book. And so most fans just read those 10 revelations because the books, it's not like you're reading it for the writing. Do you know what I mean? I, I Come on. All that's to say is it's hard to stick out in the book market for a real housewife. And this just helped Garcelle stand out now because everybody was posting that thing. Everybody was posting Garcelle's book in the trash. And so I was seeing a lot of people saying, I'm getting her book now. Now people wanted to support because they hate Bamboozle Jane so much. So she really helped. I mean, there it couldn't have asked for a bigger marketing technique. But the new season of Beverly Hills, I think, is fantastic. We're going to be covering it on the show. So we're going to have – sit tight, little bear. We're going to have a lot to talk about with the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. Now, with all of that said, shall we dive into New Jersey? Let's play. Did you guys watch this episode in Jersey? I'm sure you did if you're listening to this, but it was crazy. The Nashville trip – the Nashville trip, uh, let's just take a listen of this big fight that happened between Teresa and Margaret. And now keep in mind, I don't have, I can't provide you with the visual of this fight, but keep in mind that it is at a restaurant, which I think they must have hired people for that restaurant because I've been to Nashville restaurants. And if you see something like that going on, and I know Bravo sometimes will fill up these restaurants with people. I don't know if they hire extras or whatever, but I think they kind of fill in people. And I was watching, nobody seemed to be reacting much to what was happening with this housewives table. Because if I'm at a restaurant and Teresa is throwing drinks, everybody knows who Teresa is. Everybody knows, because even if you don't watch housewives, you know the table flip. So if you see that woman at a Nashville restaurant just throwing all the fucking drinks at another woman... You're, I'm going to be standing up. I'm going to be taking video. Those people were way too calm. Those other patrons, they were just sitting tight. And I was like, they need, I would be up with my camera phone. I'd be right on in the mix. You wouldn't be, I'd be right next to Margaret. I'd be right next to Margaret. And so I, I felt like something was going on there where that was like, I don't think the scene was set up. I just think maybe those people were told sit in your seats or don't react or something. Cause aside from a few quick reaction shots, I felt like that. The rest of those patrons weren't reacting. Anyway, so this all happens in a restaurant. Teresa's wearing a bedazzled, was it blue or bedazzled blue cowboy hat, which that, 
I feel like I could talk about that for 75 minutes. That fucking hat. Where did she even get that hat? It was like Cowboy by Ed Hardy. Like, what was that hat had to have been from the Ed Hardy days? Because I don't think I've seen something like that with the bedazzled uh, uh, cross on it. I think it was a cross. A truly shocking to the eye, very aggressive to the naked eye. Very aggressive. My mom just had cataract surgery, and I'm glad she didn't watch this episode right after her surgery because she would have had to go back in. She'd have had to call up the doctor and say, hey, my eyes got fucked up because I just looked at Teresa's bedazzled blue cowboy hat that looked like it's from the Ed Hardy collection of 2006. She'd have had to get the new surgery done right again. So anyway, it was a, a very shocking cowboy hat. And then this is just the tail end of the fight. trying to transcribe that for a minute and it was just like whore <laughs> like the only word you can hear is whore it's just whore like that's all you can hear whore and bitch because they have to bleep out everything else it was just like Teresa Judice just yelling whore 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 and then like lots of beeping and I feel bad for those closed captioning people who had to translate all of that was going on because it's a lot of whores and a lot of beeps and uh, it was so intense, and I think Teresa definitely overreacted, but she couldn't even calm her down in those moments because she just is what they call seeing red. She can't even – she's not even listening to – nobody – people can come up to her and try to calm her down and talk to her, but she's just like a Tasmanian devil inside her head, just throwing shit off the table. And that woman has broken so much glassware, so much glassware, because even aside from the table flip – remember that one season where she – she picked up the glass and then threw it against the wall at the restaurant. She has broken so much glass. And I wouldn't want to be, at a certain point, they need to start giving her a plastic solo cup or something, Kim Zolciak style, because too much glass. And somebody's bound to step in it. You don't want to step in glass or get somewhere. And Margaret, her whole left side of her white top, the white blouse she was wearing, is now all covered in some red fruity drink. I don't know what it was. I think it was a specialty drink they had at that restaurant. But uh, it was pure chaos. It was pure chaos. Should we, I got to go back to the start of the episode because I have some other thoughts before we even get more into that fight. First of all, the chaos of Teresa's move. It was stressing me out, the inside of the drawers. <sighs> you guys, the inside of those drawers, stuff wasn't even packed. And I didn't realize, I the house has always looked so clean. And then when I saw the inside of the cupboards and the inside of the drawers, I was so stressed. And also, did we talk about this? Why the fuck do they have a piano? Who's listening? The, who's playing the piano at the house? I I don't know why that was the most shocking thing of all to me was the fact that they have a piano. Who's I've never thought of Gia playing the piano or Melania. Who's playing chopsticks on the piano like they're Alicia Keys in the Judice house? Because nothing about those people that have ever lived there screams piano to me. Uh, call me crazy. I just can't even imagine any of them taking a lesson. I could see him doing a lot of stuff. I could see him. I know they've been doing the soccer tournaments for the daughters. I know the daughters have been doing, they've done fashion. Gia's got the sweatshirt line. I could see the daughters doing all sorts of stuff, but I do not picture the daughters playing uh, when the Saints go marching in on the piano. I just can't imagine it. Or uh, Joe, could you imagine Joe just playing chopsticks on the piano? I mean, before he had to go away, I can't even see that in my head. So I know they're leaving the piano, but I just wonder, 
was there any footage of them taking, like, I, I need to know more about that piano. I need to know more about the piano. There's lots of this black and white footage of the girls with the dad, and that makes me sad. They do close up shop. It's it always this is funny to me because they film the scene leaving, but they leave the camera guy inside, the camera male woman, whoever the camera person is. It's like they close the door and they're like, "Okay, goodbye, house." You know, Teresa and the daughters they leave, and the camera person is still inside filming the door, and you know, then they had to get that shot, and then Teresa had to go back inside to let the camera guy out. <laughs> Just crazy. It's crazy when you think about it. Uh, but I also had a lot of questions about this new house. Now, for some reason, I might have just missed something, but I thought they were moving into Louis's house. I didn't. I didn't put together that they were moving into this new house that looks exactly like the old house, and it looks humongous. Looks same kind of style. Maybe it's gray outside, but I thought they were moving to Louis's house. My first impression was that it was big. I wrote in my notes that it's big. And Louis was, he did this very nice thing. He put the, he put the sempre zombie, uh, it means together on the brick. I was sort of emo about that. I cried. I, I don't know what's going on. I was just cried about that. Uh, they have a giant refrigerator. There's one boy. We finally got to meet Louis's son. One boy amongst a million daughters. And I would like cameras on that because what's happening there in that house? I'm sure I, the girls seem to really be nice to this young man, but I was wondering, like, what is that dynamic? Like, I want to see Louis' son with Melania just hanging out on a Saturday morning. Like, what's happening in this household? Because I, it's like a weird kind of Brady Bunch style with Louis, and uh, I don't know, there are Buddhas everywhere, too. Did you see how many? I counted one, two, a hundred Buddhas. It was one fish, two fish, red fish Buddha. It was like so many Buddhas everywhere in the garden, in the. In this room, in that room, like so many Buddhas, and those Buddhas are expensive. They are. It's a lot of Buddha work happening in this house. And then they're all getting ready for Nash. Oh, oh! The other thing I want to say about the move, um, I think some of you might have caught this. When they left the old house, they were driving, and there was snow on the ground. But then there wasn't snow on the ground. So something. This was a pickup shot. There was something happening where they were trying to bamboozle us timeline-wise. And I didn't quite understand exactly where it went wrong. But if you go back and watch, there was some snow on the ground one second, and then no snow on the ground. It looked like a completely different season. It didn't just look like they drove to some other area where there wasn't snow. It was like we were in one shot was for one in, I don't know, June, and then the other shot was in November. And they weren't pulling it past me. They weren't pulling the wool over these eyes, over these weary eyes. I was on to them. I was on to them. Uh, what else is going on? Oh, so they're going to Nashville. They're all getting ready. Margaret says she's not going to take any shit from Teresa. Now, Dolores is trying to explain to uh, the audience, to her, um, what's Frank Sr., about if Margaret wants to be friends with Teresa, she has to know that there are certain things he can't say. And Dolores is always explaining Teresa's everything. Uh, then they fly to... Oh, everybody sit tight. If you're driving, pull over, because this is important. They were flying to Nashville. Now, I don't know what the flight length is from Jersey to Nashville, but I can't imagine it's that long. So I understand that we're not going to get a private plane, maybe, on Jersey, even though on some of the other franchises we get the private plane. Even on Orange County. The flop season of Orange County gave us private plane work. But here in New Jersey, the budgets are low, and I'm not sure why that is, but the budgets are low. I still... 
even knowing how low the budgets are in New Jersey, the fact that we haven't gone to international vacations, that it seems like we haven't updated the title sequences in what seems like a decade, still, I knew that the budgets were low on Jersey. And yet, still, I was watching, and I couldn't believe my eyes. Forgive me if I got this wrong, but I spotted it. They were getting on the plane and off the plane. They showed that it was a Southwest plane. A Southwest airplane. This is unacceptable. Southwest, as I lovingly call them. It's not a luxury airplane. I'm not, I'm sorry to anyone who flies Southwest regularly, but it's not a luxury airline. Quite frankly, I'd rather be on JetBlue or a carrier pigeon to fly to another state because I hate Southwest. I hate them, I hate them, and I hate them. I'm sorry, I'm going to lose any of Southwest sponsorships, but none of the airlines are great. We all know that. But Southwest is worse because not only do they not eat, I don't even think they, do they serve food on Southwest? I think they give you like a, a bag of pretzels or something, stale pretzels. But they do that thing where it's like boarding group A, B, and C, and I fucking hate that. I hate that. As someone who suffers from anxiety, the most anxiety-inducing thing is when they call letter B and you got to run up there like a herd of cattle to get your fucking seat. And you don't even have an assigned seat. It's like, even at the movie, every movie theater nowadays has assigned seating. But you get on a Southwest airplane and you got to rush, you knock some old lady out of the way so that you don't have to sit in the middle seat when you're letter B. So it is truly a heinous way to board an airplane. I hate it. And maybe there are certain South, I haven't flown them in a while. Maybe they've changed some of their policies. But the fact that they're putting this cast members of this show, they're putting cast members of a hit TV show. People have been on TV giving us years of entertainment. I'm going to stick up for the cast for a minute because I am heated. Now, I might have been off base here, but I swear they were flying Southwest. I think they were. You got, I, somebody's got to go back and watch. I need confirmation. But if they put a cast of this caliber, a cast that has been with us for so many years because they're so good at their job, Bravo has not felt the need to turn over this cast. So we've had Jackie, Jen, Melissa, Teresa, uh, who am I? Dolores, Margaret. They've been with us for countless of years, countless years because they're so good at their jobs. And then they're putting them on a Southwest flight. Mm-mm, mm-mm, no, nope. Not, nope, not okay. Nope, N-O, no, not acceptable, bravo. If any of you are listening, you put them on a Southwest plane. Come on. I would expect them to put a private plane because it's not a long flight, so at least like hire them something good. But if that was, um, and again, I hope, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it wasn't, and maybe they just showed Southwest on a plane somewhere, and that's what I assume they flew in. It didn't look like a nice plane inside. It didn't. It didn't. It didn't. It didn't. It didn't. And they shouldn't, they need to go, we need to get the budget up there. We need to get, and I know they flew with husbands. Some of the other franchises, they don't fly with the husbands, so they got to buy more plane tickets. But it's unacceptable. It's unacceptable. It's unacceptable. Unacceptable. Okay. That's my rant about the Southwest. Because again, even if it wasn't, maybe if I just saw the Southwest logo and they were actually flying a different airline, I still, something doesn't sit right with me. Uh, I, I feel like they need to put them somewhere else because it's just, I feel like they don't, I, we need to get a housewife on this show. I haven't had any of the housewives on re- recently, but maybe we need to get someone from Jersey because I need to know what airline they flew. I need to know if it was Southwest. And if it was, mm-mm. nope, nope, nope. Okay, what else is happening? Oh, this was interesting. Antonia had her Sweet 16. They didn't use any of the footage. They said, uh-uh, we're not interested. No one wants to know about that. Baby, keep it to yourself. I don't want to know. <laughs> 
they were editing the footage and they were like, the audience don't want to know. <laughs> that boring ass footage, that stale ass footage of Antonio's six, sweet 16. I mean, God bless. I'm sure it was a fun party. It looked like they showed one little flashback and it looked like a million people there, but I was cracking up because, you know, they probably got sponsors to the party and thought, oh, this will for sure be on the show. And then the editors got a hold of that footage and they said, uh, nobody's interested in that. <laughs> Let's forget that shit. Let's just move on from there. Uh, it made me laugh. It made me laugh. And I just saw this interview recently with it was Melissa and she was saying, I think it was on Instagram Live or something. She was saying the critique of housewives not having storylines is stupid, which I can understand that because sometimes we as fans say, oh, this person doesn't have a storyline. They don't have a story or they have a fake storyline. And she had said, and I think her husband, Joe, had also said, uh, what's wrong with just having a storyline of like a family that loves each other and nice stuff, right? Like, I think that's kind of the idea when housewives first started is we were getting a peek at these people's personal and family lives. Well, the truth is it's like, when it's a storyline that's just loving and fine and fine, they're just going to not show it. It's going to be like Antonia's birthday party where they just don't show it and they decide that the audience says, I don't want to know. Baby, keep into yourself. I don't want to know. <laughs> so that's the reason why we do need some storylines. Now, that's not to say I want a fake storyline where you're pretending to find a sister or have a baby, uh, but it just made me laugh because I felt like they didn't they just give all these interviews saying, well, it's okay to not have a storyline. And then I'm thinking, well, then all your footage gets cut. Ah, <laughs> oh, it made me laugh. But I'm sure, I hope Antonia had a great sweet 16. Happy birthday. Uh, Dolores then decides when they get to this Nashville house, which this was, I had some issues with this Nashville house too. I'm sorry. It looked like a beautiful house for me to stay in. I thought I would love to stay in this house. But then, even on Orange County, when they were going to Aspen, they stay in this nice, big, beautiful house. And the rooms were for adults. But here on New Jersey, so Teresa and Louie got the primary bed- bedroom, which I didn't really understand. It was like Dolores, Dolores really needs to stop with, with the, with hyping up Teresa and with groveling at Teresa's feet a little bit. It just feels like Dolores, I understand she's there to explain Teresa's personality, but doesn't it feel a little bit like, okay, Dolores, like you're kissing a little too much ass of Teresa, right? And by the way, if I was a cast member on the show, I'd kiss Teresa's ass too because it's her TV show. So I get it, but it is, it's a little too much. It's like I was watching, I was like, Dolores, you need to cool it. You need to cool it. But she gives them the primary bedroom. Then everyone else has got to stay in these little kid rooms. And I was like, what is happening? Dolores is in a child's girl's room. And it was Dolores' trip, so she should have been in the primary bedroom. Then Melissa's in a baby boy's room. I wrote in my notes a big what? Like, what the fuck? What the fuck are these rooms? Then Margaret's staying in a legitimate playroom. Margaret's in a, 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 she's in a daycare center. That's what Margaret's sleeping on the gas trip. Now, these are people that have been on TV for a long period of time. Do you think on the 10th season of Friends, they would put Lisa Kudrow up in a hotel room that was also a daycare center? No. This is a show that's been on and successful for years and years and years. And they're making them stay on camera in children's rooms. And these people, they can't say like, okay, come on, you're putting me in a little girl's room with a significant other who was in, wasn't it Dolores, was in a child's girl's room. Melissa's room had a, a, what do you call it? A crib, a crib. They couldn't even do some set work and get the crib out of there. I mean, like, what the fuck was that? 
Could you imagine if they told Matt LeBlanc or the cast of The Big Bang Theory in season eight, like, hey, you're, we're sending you on a cast trip in uh, Mayim Bialik. You have to stay in this room with the crib, even though you don't have any kids. Like, it's crazy. I don't, does Mayim Bialik have kids? I don't even know. Um, but, you know, that's the idea. It's just crazy. It's crazy. Now, they talk about how Teresa thinks that Margaret ran her mouth to a blogger, and that's where all this information came out about Louie, but I don't know if that's true. I feel like Margaret's, Margaret did say she doesn't have time to go on blogs, which I think is a blatant lie that these housewives often tell us. They always say, I don't even have time for that. And you're thinking in your head, you got time for that. <laughs> you definitely would have your Google alert on. Most celebrities, I don't believe any big time celebrity doesn't have a Google alert for their name. So I'm not saying that Margaret has time to be like corresponding and doing all this crazy stuff with blogs, but I do think she has time for blogs. Now, that's the whole fight. So that's the big thing. The men all have made up. So the men are all getting along. They had that little thing with Bill, but it's all fine now. And they call each other the wolf, wolf pack. Wolf? Is it wolf or wolf? Wolf? What did I say? Wolf pack. Which I think is from The Hangover, but you know what's funny is that I associate it with Fuller House. <laughs> I don't know if you watch Fuller House, but on Fuller House, they were the she-wolf pack. That's what DJ Kimmy and Stephanie called themselves. And <laughs> I, hate that. I hate myself for knowing that. I did watch every episode of Fuller House. It was terrible, but I saw every episode till the very end. Anyway, it was, so when they said the wolf pack, all I was thinking about was Fuller House. And so I told Matt, I was like, oh, that's from Fuller House. And he's like, no, it's from the Hangover series. And I was like, oh, oops. <laughs> Oops. So then they go to a bar with Mechanical Bull, and uh, Dolores really made me laugh. She said, I know my place in the world, and it's not on that Mechanical Bull. And, you know, she's right. I get that. I get that. And the Mechanical Bull, when you go on something like that, your legs, you're, you get muscles that hurt that you didn't even know hurt. You know what I mean? I just was doing squats the other day. Haven't done squats in years. And now for for four days, I've had, I can barely walk. I look like a crazy person. Uh, anyway, Teresa then accuses Margaret of contacting people from Louis' past, and I don't think that she did. I I am of the belief that this information came out on blogs, and Margaret brought it to the show, which is a separate kind of fight that they could be having of like, this was just on the blogs, but now you're bringing it up on camera. And I think it's fair game if it's already in the blog. So I don't think that Margaret had gone to these Louis' exes or something like that first. I think maybe some bloggers did that, and then it came out, and then Margaret was like, oh, I'll bring this on the show because it's happening in the zeitgeist anyway. So somebody's got to bring it up. Unfortunately, she took the fall for that. Now, I do actually agree with Dolores at a certain point. She's brought it up a couple times, and now uh, Teresa obviously didn't want to have anything to do with it. So then what are you going to do? Just stop it then. Stop. Although then there won't be a show. So see, there. what do we do? What do we do? I was just so focused on Teresa screaming at the bar with that bedazzled blue cowboy hat. <laughs> Uh, it's Teresa stormed out. She stormed upset. Margaret called her a thug and an animal. And Teresa was throwing the whores around. And Jen leaves with Teresa. And so does Melissa and Joe. And Teresa's like, I'm done with her. I was kind of surprised that Melissa and Joe left. I know they have to, even though they definitely hate Teresa. I think Melissa, like we always say, she definitely hates Teresa. So she didn't want to leave with her, but she thought it would be easier for her place on the show to just leave with her. So she does. And, uh, but it was, I was still even a little bit surprised because I really thought that Teresa was in the wrong here. I, I understood her getting upset and it made for good TV. But like I said with Summer House, I don't love when there's like the glass throwing and I, she didn't toss it. She just sort of shoved it. 
But I don't love when there's like breaking of glass because I always just get scared. I'm scared of broken glass. But then Teresa, what was really good about this episode, I feel like I hated on Bravo for a while, but I do want to say I was so grateful to them because they didn't do a to be continued. Weren't we all happy about that? I sort of thought we were getting to be continued and they didn't do it. They gave it to us. I thought we were going to get it to be continued. I paused it and said that we have like 12 minutes left. And I was like, oh my God, thank God. Meanwhile, over on the Real House of Orange County, I would pause it. It was like, we got 33 minutes left. I'm like, oh, fuck. I'm going to be mean about Orange County, you guys. If you don't, if you are enjoying Orange County, you better turn this podcast off because I'm not going to be so nice about it. Okay. So, uh, wrapping up, uh, Real House in New Jersey, Teresa shouts that she's going to the hotel. It was uh, fantastic. Note to be continued. Next time we get swimming and singing. Uh, they're all singing. What are we doing here with all the group singing? Well, it seems like they're going to be all singing together. What's happening with that? We got that in Orange County. I need the producers to communicate with each other on the different shows to say, hey, we're doing a group singing scene. So I need to make sure you don't do that on the other franchise. Get what I mean? Because we did it on New York with the Christmas song. Then we did it now on um, Orange County for the finale. And now we're doing it on New Jersey. And enough is enough. 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 Taylor Armstrong, enough. Okay, so that New Jersey, I thought it was a fantastic episode. I was so mean about Bravo stuff. I was mean to them because, you know, I have critiques, but I love the show so much. I love them so much, so I'm sorry, Bravo. love you guys. Uh, but I do have complaints. Um, okay, so The Real Houses of Orange County, like I just said, if you were enjoying this season of The Real Houses of Orange County, and specifically this finale episode, I want you to turn off this podcast. Skip ahead to my interview with Kelty. I don't want to be rude or negative. And if you like something, you should celebrate that. You don't want to hear someone uh, talk shit about it because I don't want to be that person. I want this podcast to be a celebration of things that we love. So I'm going to keep it sort of short-ish about Orange County, but I am going to skew a little negative. So I just want to just say that disclaimer out now so I don't get a bunch of messages saying how wrong I am about Orange County or how I have the worst opinion on it or whatever. Again, turn this off. Don't listen. There's so many things to listen to. So many great other Bravo podcasts that you can listen to. Go turn on Watch Your Crappens. Go turn on Bitch Sesh. Some of the other greats. So bad it's good. Ryan Bailey, Two Judgy Girls. There's tons of them. So please do that because I don't want to bring you down. I don't want to bring you down. Uh, okay, so this finale of The Real House of Orange County. Now, one of the things that I hate about Housewives is when they lean into the comedy too much, whereas I'd rather just watch a comedic series. I'd rather put on Abbott Elementary. I'd rather put on Mr. Mayor. Another, I'm enjoying Mr. Mayor. I don't know if you guys watch that show, but aside, we've talked about Abbott Elementary on this show, which I think is the funniest sitcom on TV. But I also love Mr. Mayor. There's that a Grand Auto show. I think I've seen a couple episodes of that on NBC. It's a great comedy. But if I want to watch a comedy, I would turn on comedians, right? And so I like when these shows are funny. To me, Bravo does some of the funniest shows on TV, but it's always funniest when they're doing the humor or the comedy and the editing. And I don't like when it's the housewives trying to do the comedy. Does that make sense? I like when the housewives are just being themselves and they're either being naturally funny and we're, the editors are pointing out the irony or the ridiculousness. That's the kind of comedy I want from these shows. But sometimes what happens is when, and I believe it's when they have a flop season and they got to give us something. So they lean too far into the comedy and we get these moments like where Gene and Emily are having this ghost and they're afraid of the ghost of inhabiting Casita. And so her and Hip go to the cave and 
They uh, deliver a gift basket so this man, Tommy Knockers, doesn't haunt Casita. You guys haunt like we're worried about a ghost haunting Casita. There's some there's some trouble with that. We, Casita's done so much ghost work this season, and I'm not quite sure. And so it feels like the housewives are trying to do this comedy. Like they're trying, they're thinking they're in a sitcom, and I want to laugh at them. I just don't want them to be the ones driving the comedy because there's so many other beautiful, wonderful comedians out there that I'm going to turn on their shows if I want to get laughs in that way. And it just sucks the funny out of it to me. When they're doing it purposely, it's like all the funny goes. Even that moment where Casita was talking to that bear head. Do you know what I'm talking about? Uh, it was, and they superimposed Shannon's face on there. Okay, so that was a little bit of a mixture of the two because I think Casita, she was leaning into the comedy. She was doing what she thought was like good sitcom work. But then the editor has brought some extra layer of comedy to it by superimposing Shannon's face on that wooden bear. But that's, it was, uh, it was too much. And that Tommy Knockers, like, I didn't even know what the fuck they were saying about that guy from the mine. Like, it, was, it was so fucking nuts, but they brought him a bottle of champagne, chocolate, Hershey bar, apples, and Diet Coke. Like, you did not waste a Diet Coke on some ghost named Tommy Knockers. I mean, it's ridiculous. I watched the movie Casper upwards of a hundred times from 1995, and I know that those ghosts, they can't inhale the food. Remember Fatso, Stinky, and Stretch, the uncles? Remember Fatso, which we haven't talked about why he was called Fatso. I mean, were those their birth names? If Casper was the ghost's birth name, then why were the uncles named Fatso, Stretch, and uh, Fatso, Stretch, and what was the other? Stinky. Were those the birth names? Anyway, I remember when Fatso was trying to inhale food, it would just go right through him. So I know that this is ghost Tommy Knockers on the Real House of Orange County. He ain't going to be able to have that Hershey chocolate bar or that Diet Coke. And you know I love a Diet Coke drinker. There's a young lady somewhere, a PA on that uh, Real Houses of Orange County, who's a good time gal looking for a can of Diet Coke and is now no longer able to find it because Casita and Hip delivered it to a mine for a ghost named Tommy Knockers. And that's unacceptable. Unacceptable. Tell the drama no. Orange County told the drama no by not giving us any drama this episode. I mean, it's so fucking boring. <laughs> and Noella, what was happening with Noella she, and the pool? Like, it was, they were all trying to do way too much. And Noella has literally zero relationship with anyone. The closest person that Noella is to the anyone on the cast is Shannon. And I think it's very clear that those two aren't actually friends. It's like all for the show. It's They're not actually friends, but it's the closest relationship she has. So I'm going to need Noella. I think maybe that's some of the disconnect. I'm going to need her to have a relationship with these other women. And Dr. Jen, I mean, what a, what is a flop Dr. Jen has been this season? I mean, just big flop. Every week I write in my notes. I look at my notes and I look down as we're talking. I just write next to Dr. Jen. It just says flop in big, bold letters. I even bold it in Word. I bold the word flop because I'm like, I need to make sure you remember that. But I don't need to remember it because it's clear in every scene that Dr. Jen is in. She had that one speech later. I'm like, and it was so embarrassing. It's so embarrassing. I don't know. What is this cast? They went shopping or something. Gina and Shannon make up. Uh, we did get a classic Shannon moment when they were all sitting and I guess she's throwing a rock and roll party for the finale and she did a classic Shannon where she said, can we do a rock and roll cheers? It was like a very, uh, it was a very ack moment. It's not my plate, ack! A Kathy comic ack that we got from Shannon when she said, can we cheers, rock and roll cheers, ack! Like that's a- 
I missed that. I missed that. Noella took off the wedding ring. I guess Emily and Shane had that weird romantic moment. And it was revealed, this was revealed years ago, but I had forgotten that Shane asked her to marry him through Google chat, which is troubling, to say the least. I mean, troubling to say the least. (sighs) So they do this rock and roll party and everyone dresses. I thought that Heather went dressed as... Uh, the woman from the, one of the women from the Robert Palmer addicted to love video. And then I find out she's just as posh spice. I was like, what? What? Uh, and then uh, I don't know what else happened. So they, they do a song. They sat down for dinner, but it was a weird, a weird sit down. And then they decide they're going to do a song, but it was revealed sort of later on of that they did this song with Richard Marks and Daisy Fuentes. Hello! When they said, <laughs> Daisy Fuentes, I was scared out of my wits. I couldn't believe Daisy Fuentes, which I think we knew that she was with Richard Marks, but I'm like, I need to know how she was involved in the creation of the song, which was called uh, Whatever I Want by the OC Reels. It was just, that was all them trying to be funny, too. It's like they leaned so much into this comedy. And I, it was like, the, when they do that kind of stuff, it's like, oh, we don't have any content for this finale, so we're going to have to edit a music video into the end. Like that's that's what happens here. And God bless those brilliant. They're brilliant. Those editors and the producers of these shows, they're brilliant because when they don't have anything, they still know how to edit us into some sort of resolution. And unfortunately, with a season like this, we're being edited into this music video, which was completely unhinged. Heather Dubrow, I have to say, sounded good. When I heard her voice, I was like, okay, she's like not a bad singer. The others, I can't say the same for. Emily was given that sort of sexy Luann voice, though. She was singing, whatever you want, you know, like, whatever you want. Like a little bit of the Cookie Monster Luann voice, which I really loved. But I don't know what we were doing. I don't know. I don't know what we're doing. I don't know what we're doing. I don't know what we're doing. And I don't know that I have any more thoughts about Orange County. I I didn't see the reunion trailer. I don't know if it's out yet, if I didn't see it, but <sighs> that's how I feel about Orange County. <sighs> anyway, I'm glad New Jersey's delivering. And next season, I don't know. I keep saying next. This was a good transitional season that maybe not good transitional season. I keep saying that this season felt like we're in the right direction and that hopefully they're having relationships that will be good next season. But I don't know. I don't even know if that's true anymore. Maybe some of these shows need to just end. <sighs> that's mean of me. But it's my truth. Okay, I love you all. That was uh, Real House of Orange County. I want to leave you guys with this interview with Kelty Knight from Lady Gang. We talk about all sorts of stuff, so don't tune out. Do not tune out. Don't turn that lot of, little dial a little bear. Uh, but I also have to let everyone know that I did an interview with Delia Efron that was out this past Monday. And it's fantastic. I've heard from so many people who reached out and said, I wasn't going to listen to that, or I didn't know, I wasn't familiar with Delia Efron's work. And they ended up listening and loved it. And I think it was a fantastic chat, which you can also watch on the YouTube channel. Uh, But I encourage you all to check it out. Delia co-wrote the movie You've Got Mail, which is my all-time favorite. And the interview is about her life, and she's got a new memoir out, but her life is so incredibly fascinating. And and I've been reading a lot, and we have some other authors coming on the show very soon, and I keep saying I want to start a book club, but it also seems like so much work. But I, I feel like we need to do a book club or something, because I, I read a lot, and I do have a Goodreads page, so if anyone's on there, you could see some of the stuff that I read over there. But I'd love to talk more about these books, because I, I enjoyed some... Maybe if it's not on the podcast, maybe we do 
something on social media or something. But I love having authors on, and Delia's interview is so fantastic. So I really encourage you to go listen to it because I think it's great. Uh, anyway, please enjoy this chat with Kelty Knight, and we will be back next week. I have some fun guests coming on the show coming up. And uh, I love you all so much for listening. Find me on social media at Danny Pellegrino. Order my book, How Do I Unremember This, wherever you get your books. I hope you enjoy my chat with Kelty Knight of Lady King. Ah, I love that sound, don't you? And that's the sound you're going to hear when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell online, in person, on social media, and beyond. Uh, We use it here at Everything Iconic. Shopify is the best all-in-one commerce platform capable of handling all your business complexity, no matter how big you grow. I think it's fantastic. You're probably thinking, sure, but migrating is going to be a headache, but Shopify's app store has the migration apps you need to migrate all of your products, your orders, your customers, and more uh, from every major e-commerce platform all the way to Shopify. And I always hate when I'm shopping online and I have to re-enter all of my information. Well, Shopify store remembers your shipping address, your payment information. So if you're on the couch and your wallet's on the kitchen counter, you don't have to get up, which is nice. So sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash everything iconic, all lowercase. That's one month for just $1 at shopify.com slash everything iconic. Shopify, S-H-O-P-I-F-Y dot com slash everything iconic. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. And we all carry around different stressors, both big and small. Sometimes the small stressors are the worst for me because I cannot stop thinking about them when I'm trying to sleep or when I'm trying to go about my day. I keep those little things bottled up and it can start to affect me negatively. Now, therapy is a safe space to get those things off of my chest and figure out how to work through all that stuff. And if you've never benefited from therapy, I think it's time you explore. I think anyone can be helped by going to a professional therapist. It's so incredibly helpful to get those coping skills skills and uh, deal with those stressors. So uh, if you're thinking of starting therapy, you can give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be super convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you got to do is fill out this quick, brief questionnaire, and you get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge, which I think is so important. Uh, so that way you find someone that you work well with. Now, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Everything Iconic today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Everything Iconic. Kelsey, how are you? I'm so happy to be here. And I just finished therapy. And now uh-huh. I'm moving to Danny, which I feel like is good. And I have my list of mantra for the next week, which is that shit doesn't align with me anymore. <sighs> I love that. I love that. That was the lesson in today's session. Yes. Yes. I think therapy is good for anyone. I think everyone could benefit from therapy. If we could all just go, I think the world would be such a better place. I know. it. It, it is a little bit... I feel like sometimes a privilege thing because I can afford sure. to go and it, it's kind of expensive at times if it's not covered, but fuck, I love therapy. I've been in it forever and I do not miss a weekly session. Yeah, it's good. Uh, Kelty, 
I want to ask you some pop culture hot topics. I thought we'd just run through some stuff because oftentimes on Everything Iconic, I don't always get to talk about what's going on in the outside world. I talk a lot about Bravo stuff. So I wanted to just be able to discuss some of the things that are happening because there's a lot of big things. First, our dear Britney Spears announced that she's pregnant. Yeah. I'm super excited. How are you feeling about it? Because I, she has said multiple times, of course, that she wanted to have more babies. And I just, I want only the best things for her going forward. I I have so many thoughts on this. I'm so okay, glad we're going to talk me. about it. I feel like I'm literally, and I didn't even watch Hand, Hands Ma- Handmaid's Tale, but like I feel like we're watching the unraveling of like some sort of weird, creepy Handmaid's Tale thing where they it was the opposite. So it's like they had this IUD. They would not permit a woman to do what she wanted with her body, which seems you know, wild. Um, I'm sure they had their reasoning. I feel like some of that reasoning was money because when a woman is pregnant, you may be working the first few months of your pregnancy. When you're a pop star, you're, you're definitely taking a year off after you can't tour. You have to get the body back. I mean, it's just like that whole thing. So it's like, where does your money go? You're not making money. So I feel like I'm so happy for her. Yeah, I know. I just want the best. And I, I think it's, I just, yeah, it's always hard whenever Britney Spears comes up because it's like, I, I almost blubber over my words because I'm like, all I want is the best for her. I feel like she's been through so much. And for an adult woman not to have agency over her own body and now to finally have agency over her, her own body, rightfully so. I think is just the right thing. So I, I just want health and happiness going forward. And, and it was, it was funny to me to watch sort of all the news outlets because now Brittany has control over her social media, which is something that she didn't have for the longest time. And so it's funny to watch all the entertainment news outlets try to decode because oftentimes now you're an entertainment reporter. It's like the PR will go out from the the PR person, and it'll be a very clean statement of like, this person's pregnant or this person yeah. has a new project or whatever. And so I love that Brittany is sharing things in her own words. She's also said on her social media that she's uh, working on a book project, which I could not be more excited for, oh. but I just want, I want everything in her own words. And I want to know We've only, I, I feel like we've still only scratched the surface of what she's gone through over the past decade or so. And I think there's still so much more to the story. And so I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing in her own words, what, what happened and, and what she's been through. And hopefully it'll never happen again to anyone because it seems like it was just awful. Yeah. I have two, I have two things I want to say. Number, sorry, I don't know why I'm holding up a scissor. Um, <laughs> One thing is that this has actually been going on far longer than the conservatorship because I remember I was a former dancer. So I was living in New York in my twenties doing backup dancing for artists. And I remember specifically there was one of the like early Britney Spears girls. I can't remember her name right now. I'm sure I would be able to, she was blonde. She was like in all the early videos. She was on tour. And she told me specifically, I was probably 22 at this time, Danny, that Brittany used to always ask her for $20. Wow. And this was way before the conservatorship. I do not believe they let her have any of her money her whole life. I believe that she has been restrained in many ways, even before the conservatorship, because she, the dancer used to tell me, Brittany's biggest thrill was if you would lend her $20 so she could go to Target. 
or, you know, and I'm like, we've seen those photos. Like, and by the way, I fucking love going to target. Like I understand you, Brittany, there's there's like a psychological benefits of just strolling in target. And like, you end up with like an Easter egg and a sweatpant and some new underwear and a CD. Like, you know, you don't know what you're going in there for. So I think this has been going on for a long time. The other Britney Spears thing that I wanted to say is that my, it's been widely reported that Britney's bipolar and I don't think she's ever confirmed that herself. Um, my brother is bipolar. And so I do feel for her if, if this is a true thing, I mean, a lot of people throw around bipolar, like if she's so bipolar, but if she's really struggling with a mental illness, it's very, very hard on the person because you do need to have some limitations and you need to have a lot of the sameness. And there's, there's, there's things that really help those people thrive. And I think that at some point they pushed it so far to one end that it, it stopped doing, but what's interesting about a diagnosis like bipolar is those people are often the most creative, the most brilliant, the smartest. They know they have 11 eyes open at all times. So Brittany's new social media, like you said, her being like, and I'm not leaving my house because the paparazzi is going to get their money shot. Like she has 11 eyes open. She's mm. in the room. She knows what the fuck is going on. Uh, Kelty, moving on to another early aughts couple, JLo and Ben Affleck. Of course, they got engaged. JLo recently revealed she had a ring. It's a green ring. What do you think of the ring? First of all, did you see the ring? Yes, I saw the ring. I would never be rich enough in my life to get a colored stone. Yeah. Yeah. Like- yeah. You pick a colored stone, your outfit has to match that stone all the time. That means you're going to have multiple rings throughout your life. Like us regular people are like, I got to wear this ring every day. It needs to match everything. I'm not picking pink. I'm not picking green. She's going to put on that Versace dress again, isn't she? I mean, we're going to see that again with the ring because I feel like that's coming. The green ring now now that you mentioned matching with an outfit, all I'm thinking is the Grammy Versace dress that we've seen a million times. And of course, if I look like her in that dress, I would wear it to the target myself i literally want like i want nothing but good things for jennifer lopez i actually am like a massive jennifer lopez stan she's a pretty bad reputation of being like a diva and workaholic and like late a lot in hollywood and like i don't care i love her so much i will wait seven hours for you jennifer lopez i think she's like the last great true triple threat star that we have that's like giving it in every area what's your favorite j-lo project whether it be a song a movie like what's your favorite j-lo sort of era the my favorite era is like those rom-com era like wedding Mm -hmm. planner that era because it was like we were we were just after waiting for tonight we were like jenny from the block era Mm. i love all the eras i just think like I, I love Jennifer Lopez. When I was with um, the, the television shows, like really living my life on red carpets, which I've since retired from, which was amazing. But when I like Jennifer Lopez knows how to show up to be a star. She's like, mm-hmm. she comes in a fucking outfit. She's got 800 projects. She's got a celebrity boyfriend. Like she is everything that you could ever want. And she doesn't shy away from it. If she's going to get dressed up and put her ponytail in, you're getting an interview with her and she's going to be amazing. You know, I think we're missing that with a lot of the newer celebrities where there's just not an, there's not an aura of I, that word diva is always th- thrown around, but it's like, I, I like the diva. Like I want the sort of air of importance and also the ridiculousness of celebrity. And I, I think what's been so fascinating about the new Jen ba- uh, Ben JLo saga is that it feels like a throwback to the early two thousands and, and not so much of the, 
the toxicity of that era where it's like I, the thing that I hated about the celebrity of that era was like the the way the media handled Britney Spears and Lindsay Lohan and Paris Hilton and all that kind of stuff. But some of like that, the speculating of couples and stuff, I think was really fun. And it's been largely missing because now with social media, you know, everything about who's in a relationship with who and when they break up and all of that kind of stuff. And so the return of Benefer has been exciting in that way. I'm curious too, if they'll, they're going to have babies because I remember when she was with A-Rod very recently. I could be wrong and forgive me if I'm misquoting, but I thought she had said she wanted to have kids with A-Rod. And so I wonder if that's even in the possibility. I know they both have kids from other relationships, but I'm curious if they'll procreate. Anything can happen these days. I just like, I want to see the wedding. I want hope. I hope she does a big celebrity wedding and like puts it on the cover of People magazine. I feel like she will, or Vogue actually. I don't feel like she gets the right. I mean, she goes to the Met Gala, but like, does she get the right Vogue covers? Probably not. Justice for JLo. Yeah. Yeah. Um, speaking of Vogue covers, what are you thinking of the new Kardashian show? Uh, so the Kardashians moved from E to Hulu. Yep. And they sort of made a big deal out of it, but I, I always assumed that it was just going to be a swift transition of the basically the same show. Like, I know they tried to fool us as like, oh, we're doing something new or we're taking some time off. But as soon as that Hulu deal was announced, it was like, oh, they just wanted more money. I feel like E couldn't provide them the money. And so they moved on over to Hulu. Mm-hmm. Well, I haven't watched. Is it out? Oh. No, I think it comes out. I mean, as of when this is out, our our chat, it will be out. But no, we haven't watched it yet. I haven't watched it yet. Um, I I don't know. I, Danny, am I like a real softy all of a sudden? Because I also feel a little justice for Kim because, mm. you know, she got trolled after that Variety article of like, women need to work hard. And I would say that Kim Kardashian is probably the only celebrity that I've ever had an exclusive interview with. I mean, not only celebrity, but of that level who shows up like literally on time, like wow. 10 minutes early when, when she's like, I'll be there at 10 to do this interview. She's literally at nine fifty nine walking in with the entourage. They're finishing the gloss and she's like in your face and she like knows how to play the game. And she's really nice, like really lovely doesn't have that air of like my shit doesn't stink like she actually i know it's like crazy because then i saw the selfie book and i was like oh my god this is not the same person like i feel like at her heart and soul she's actually like a really down-to-earth lovely human and like for some reason it gets like so all the outfits and it gets like she's wrapped in the tape i was like oh my god but I really like her. I know it's very unpopular opinion, but like, I like her. I kind of think that she got a little too much heat for that variety thing. Like I understood the criticism of her, of what people were saying, why they were upset with her saying in variety, you need to get your ass up and work. But I also thought it was just totally blown out of proportion. And it was like, people were kind of ready to pounce on her for something. And I think there's plenty of things to pounce on that family for. And that to me was like, that's what we're choosing like to be so enormously upset about it. I mean, even to the point where when they sat down with Robert, Robin Roberts for that special, it was like they were playing the dramatic music behind what Robin asking that question and just acting like it was, there's just so many more important, crazy, horrific things going on. It was like, that's what we're focusing on that. We're so mad about them for <laughs> so stupid. And yeah. I think even if you watch it's that, so cl- if you watch that clip of, uh, Chloe and the the two sisters look at each other and sort of are judging Kim in that moment as she's saying like, oh my God, she's being so stupid. Like she's 
I don't know. There, I just thought it was silly. I, I mean, of so. course, it's easier to get up and go to work when you have nannies and a trainer and a chef and you're not like hauling your groceries from Trader Joe's to your apartment in New York City. Like, I get that. But I also like, you know, I have had my fair share of assistants and interns at this point in my career. And many of them did not want to get up and go to work. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, uh, if you ask any Gen Zer like what their ideal work situation is, they're like, to be an influencer. And I was like, well, that's not a real job. I mean, it definitely is a job, but like that, I don't know. I feel like you need to go and like hustle a little bit before you get there, but I'm also not an influencer. So live your life. You know, maybe it's possible. This is also devil's advocate of me, but, and and I shouldn't be sticking up for celebrities because, you know, fuck celebrities got all the money and everything. They're, they're all good. But I do think that for the longest time, something like that, quote would have been heralded and applauded by social media. So we're almost asking we're asking celebrities to now completely change their mindset, which again, I understand what the criticism was and that we are in sort of a different culture and people are starting to realize maybe like this hustle culture is not what I want to be a part of, but it's, it's almost funny because we're just expecting celebrities to have gotten that memo. And I know, But and they Meryl should get the memo. Street, but Danny, if Meryl Streep accepted her Oscar and she's like, what I need to say is just get to work. Nobody wants to work anymore. You got to work. We would have been like quoting it. It would have been a meme on social media that everyone was like, yes, Meryl says work. Like it's because it was Kim. It just shifted so quickly. I, I think if Kim did that quote two years ago, even yeah, yeah, three yeah. years ago, it would have yeah. been something that people. I'm also very grateful for the quote because I've seen it pop up in so many memes. So I think that's also why I have a soft spot for it because yeah. it makes me laugh like, every time God. I see it pop up. God, it's we like, got something to entertain us. She gave us something. And also entertaining me is the whole, uh, the Pete Davidson of it all. My worry going back to the show though, is that the one of the things that they kept saying in interviews was that it was going to be a quicker turnaround. So that was the big complaint with the E show towards the end was that right. there was so much time in between something that would happen yeah. And so initially when the Hulu deal was announced, it was like, well, this will be a way for us to have it out there more quickly because it's on streaming. But we're yeah. now the premiere is like six months or it's pretty much the same timeline or longer in between when they filmed and when it's now airing. So it's like, that's not a plus side. And I do need them to reduce that time because yeah. if something's happening in the Kardashian world, we're hearing about it in real time. And so I understand that there needs to be a lag to edit a show, but it should be quicker than seven to eight months because in the premiere, I think we're learning about things that happened seven, seven ish months ago. So with the, with the Pete stuff, with all of that, I need it in closer to real time. Yeah. And I dip in, I don't, I don't fully keep up with the Kardashians, but I like to dip in and I will watch the Hulu show at least for the first few episodes to see kind of how it is presented to us and everything, but I won't, you're not interested. What do you watch, Kelsey? What do you, I watch, uh, housewives of OC Beverly Hills and Salt Lake city. And I watch Yellowstone and 1883 and RuPaul's Drag Race exclusively. (laughs) I love that list. What a diverse list. Um, Okay. That's a perfect transition for me because I want to know, what are you thinking of Orange County this season? Um, Oh God, I don't want to be mean, but I'll be just be mean. Okay. I just feel like it's, I'm, I feel like Noella is 
the ultimate auditioner. Like I feel like she was built in a lab and she was like, okay, I'm going to have a divorce, dad drama, hot outfits, great tits. And in every episode, like the pulling of the focus, like every episode is about her. And she like goes to people's like, she's like at the launch party for Gina's makeup. And then she's like, my dad died. And like, I understand that. But like, if your dad dies, you just write, hey, my dad died. I'm not gonna be able to make it out. Like maybe she's contractually obligated to be there. I'm giving her the benefit of the doubt. But it is so much Noella. And Heather doesn't get to shine in the way she should be able to shine. I agree about the Noella thing. I I feel like she has the makings of what would be a great housewife, but it's almost be almost try. It's performance art of what a good housewife. Performance art. And and I think all these things have happened in her life, and some of them I think are very tragic. But it just if I felt similarly about Bronwyn too. I thought Bronwyn was the same way of like okay. It's a lot to take in and it almost feels like you're doing a lot of it to be a good housewife. On the flip side of the coin, I think like the new other new woman, Dr. Jen, is doing the opposite. I feel like she has a lot of the the stuff that would make a good housewife, but she's almost too tepid to lean into that. And I it's like I need them to merge a little bit yeah, if because they were one. Yeah, if they were one, I think they'd be the perfect housewife. But There's just a false, something false with Noella. And at the same time, I'm grateful she's given us something because otherwise I'm like, I'm not sure what we would have been doing here. I was reading online, um, Hip and Casita, Emily and Gina, I lovingly call them Hip and Casita, but they have been around longer than some of the greatest housewives. They're on their, they're going to be on their fifth season. And if you look across the franchise, there's other housewives who haven't even stuck around that long, who have been incredibly memorable. And there's just not a whole lot of stuff that has been memorable with those two. And I'm shocked that they're still around. And I like Heather Dubrow a lot, but I don't know that she is like the a lead in a franchise. I think she's perfect. She needs some foils. Well, she needs people that are on her level. Like there's no one. It's like, there's no one that's on her level of like, Heather can't be the only one taking us to Cabo. It needs to be like, that's what I like about Salt Lake City is they're always trying to outdo each other. You know what I mean? It's like, now I will do my party in a, a, by a pond. Now we will go here. Now we'll go, like, they're all fancy and the outfits are ridiculous. It's like, Heather can't really be the only one with a designer bag. Like, it just seems so weird to me. It's like, they're almost too normie for the OC at this point. Like, the yeah. OC is an escape into fantasy land. And I feel like our problems are very normal. And I was like, I have my own normal problems. I don't want to watch that on television. I want to watch big girl problems. <laughs> I've heard it's really hard to cast Orange County. Like they've had trouble. Uh, I've, Obviously. Uh, a sort of obvious. It's very clear that they have, but yeah. I don't know. Because just an hour up north, Beverly Hills is the gift that keeps on fucking giving. And you're oh like, well, they're only an hour apart. So how on earth can one be so kind of eh, and then one be like, I need a three hour episode every week to keep up with all of it. I also think Noella would work better as a friend of like in, in the way that like a Danielle Staub or I, I, not to compare the two, but I love, I love sort of someone dipping in a little bit, but it seems like the whole focus has been Noella. And I think she would work so well. Cause what I do love about Noella is the kind of, the way she ruffles Heather's feathers and like, it's so fun to watch. Like Heather obviously hates this woman. And I think actually most of the women hate Noella. I think it's pretty clear, but so it would be fun to see her at group scenes and ruffling feathers and everything. 
And I'm again, empathetic towards what she's going through, but it's, it's a lot to take in, especially because we don't really know her yet. That's the thing is that like, I don't feel, I don't know that I care about your struggles because I don't know that I care about you as a human. It's like that friend that like, they only call you and then they talk. It's like having me on your podcast. They (laughs) call you, they talk about themselves for like 40 minutes and all their problems. And then they hang up. Like no one ever says, and how are you? Like we haven't seen her be a human. It's just all me, 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 me. I will say that, you know, in this season, she's wearing like that white bra shirt with the under boob that's like iconic with the flowers in her hair. I was like the whole season. I've been like that fucking outfit. Like this is too mm. much. It's crazy. I recently found a bikini uh, exactly like that on Amazon.com for about $12 and I ordered it and I wore it in Cabo, the under boob bikini. Um, now, I it was a bikini I wore on the beach. She's wearing it on like a confessional look, but I never felt hotter in my life. So Noella, you did get one thing right. Oh, it's a great top. Great I think top. I think her looks are phenomenal and I think she's stunning. Like I, I think Beautiful. she's so gorgeous, but it's the other stuff. <laughs> the other stuff. Um, you mentioned Beverly Hills. What did you think of the trailer? It's coming soon. I can't wait. I love it. I got in a lot of trouble because someone asked me who my favorite housewife is. So I'm new to Beverly Hills. I think I'm only three seasons. And I said that Lisa was my favorite because I just, like, I just, I just dig her. Like, I, she, the looks and the ridiculousness and how she's like always like so shocked, but like instigating shit. Like I just, I think she's a great housewife, but then people are like, she's so mean. I didn't, I didn't really realize the meanness of all of that. You know, like I like her. I love Dorit. I love Dorit. I have a feeling Lisa Rinna is going to have a good season. I think because Bravo always likes to flip the script on us. And I think Rinna had a good uh, early seasons. I think she, people really liked her and found her messiness to be really fun. And then I think people started to turn rightfully so because she instigated a lot of the drama and people had their favorites and they got pissed at it. But I was watching that trailer and I was like, Oh, I think Rena will be the hero because Bravo needs to shake it up a little bit. Yeah. And it looks like I think Kathy might be a little bit of the villain. She was the fan favorite. And it's it's tv editing i mean you know in the production side it's like they want to keep us on our toes in the minute we love someone they want to change our opinion so that we're watching again the next week to see do we well wait how do i feel about that person so so i believe that rena is going to have a good season this season but i I could be totally off base that's just kind of the impression i got from the trailer of like i think they're gonna i think she's gonna have a good season i'm curious though what they'll do with erica i think her and erica are gonna I think that relationship is going to be fractured. I don't know why they don't even hint at it in the trailer. I just sort of, I'm feeling it in my bones. Yeah. It's, it's going to be really interesting. And I think where you can tell that Beverly Hills is an amazing franchise is that all of this Erica stuff was happening. And I was just as excited to see Kathy Hilton in a scene, not know Mm -hmm. where the fuck she was. Like, that's what's crazy is that like OC would be blessed to have so many storylines that you cared about. You know what I I mean? Like I felt like so much Eric and obviously it was a lot of Erica, a lot of Erica, but then there was like, I don't know. There's just so much going on with them that I love it. And I just feel like I just, they like when Doree, when they were, I guess they were in Arizona or whatever. They were at Kyle's house on the golf course and they're like having a, a dinner, but I know they were taping during COVID. And when Dorit came down in that like mesh see-through bodysuit that was rhinestone and she just alone with the girls, I was like, thank you. This is what I need. Like I'm wearing a Shania Twain t-shirt right now. And I, I love it. Like I 
want these bitches to show down in a see-through bodysuit in like just a girl's dinner. Like that's the level I want. Well, and Beverly Hills, I know it's loaded with people who are sort of industry or industry adjacent. And so, you know, those, they all want to be the center of attention. I mean, I think that's largely why they, they put so much time and effort into their looks, but on the, on the flip side or on the, I don't know what I'm trying to say on the same side of the coin. That's not a saying, but uh, I think they know that when, when there's a fan favorite, Beverly Hills, Always, always, when they know there's a fan favorite, they're going to go after that fan favorite the next season because they want to be the fan favorite. So they're going to find all the skeletons in that fan favorite's closet. I mean, it lar- largely, I think that's what happened to Denise. I, Denise, I think, definitely could have been more honest and open about what happened or whatever. But I think they saw how Denise came in that first season and people were like, oh, she's a breath of fresh air. People like Denise. And I think that's what's going to happen. That's the maybe the reason why I'm feeling that way with the Kathy Hilton of it all. I And there's been all these rumors and stuff that Kathy acted a certain way on a cast trip that was inappropriate. And I just feel like the women, yeah, they, they don't, they want to be the fan favorite, but I'm excited. Oh my God. It looks so good. I'm really, really excited. Kelty, what was the other, did I, was there another Housewives franchise oh, that I meant to Salt ask Lake. you about? Salt Lake. Okay. What are you thinking of Salt Lake? I mean, they just finished up their second season. Yeah. And they're filming now, I think, right? Yeah. I think they just finished. Um, I, Salt Lake has been like a very flip-sided thing for me because I went into it first season and really felt like I knew my people that I liked. And then it completely has like flipped. Like I was, I I feel like she's going to send an investigator after me, but like, I, I really enjoyed Meredith the first season. Like Mm. I was like, I like this, like a businesswoman, entrepreneurial, open about trouble in her marriage. Like we're going to work through it. Like I loved that whole storyline. And then this season, I really was so turned off by her inability to sit at the table and just have a conversation. Like the, I'm out and just peace out to your room at every fucking moment. I was like, that's so immature. And like, you're on television. Like the whole purpose is to sit and have these conversations at the table. Like it got so, and that one party where she was in the white dress and she came back to the table like four or five times. I was like, this is fucking ridiculous. Like put the table in her bedroom at next time. Like that really got on my nerves. Then I was like, uh, I don't know. Like if I'm feeling as confident about being a Meredith Stan as I was the first season. And the problem, the other problem is, is that like, I don't know. It seems like Jen, Jen Shaw, like may be guilty. Like it's, it's all signs point to something fucking shady went on. And I still think she's great. I'm yeah. like, you better wear a glove. Like I, I'm like, I don't know what happened. And you know, innocent to proven guilty, Danny, but like, it seems like some shady shit went on and it's terrible like that stuff, but it's like, I still really enjoy her as a housewife. And I was like, when I, my, one of my last shoots I ever did for entertainment tonight before I left was I went to Salt Lake during COVID and I interviewed, um, Jen Shaw, uh, Lisa and, um, blonde, 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 Heather, Heather Whitney together. No, Heather. And, Jen Shaw brought three furs. She had a walk-in fur. She had it draped on the back of the like chair. So it was behind her fur. And she had a photos after fur. She had three furs with her guys, like three furs. And I was like in a full Gucci outfit. And I was like, holy shit. Like this is some rich shit. Like, but you know, you know what I always say is like wealth whispers. Right. 
So, I mean, I think that's also very purposeful on the on Bravo's end to like make us like her in a way, because then we're all watching this every week trying to figure out, well, am I supposed to like her? And I think she was so wonderful this season in the weirdest way, even at the reunion where I thought, yes, I thought she would. I I mean, I really thought the way that Andy handled the Beverly Hills reunion where he was like diving into Erica and Erica was crying and it was intense and it was I thought that same kind of vibe was going to be for Salt Lake City and I don't I'm not saying it's Andy's fault by any means because I actually think he did go in but but Jen's response was different in that it was just like well easy breathing I know she was like "Mm." I mean she really believes she's innocent and and I also want to say like just being in Hollywood for a long time is that it is very true that People at a certain amount, if you have a money manager managing your money and you're like zhuzh, there's a, there is an excellent chance you have no idea what's going on. So there, there is, here's, here's where I get caught up is like, there's an excellent chance that if she had this super successful business, that she was just cashing out her Genshaw Corporation check and had her company credit card. And, and she really did not realize what was going on behind the scenes. And that's probably going to be her defense, I would suspect. Because, you know, you remember back in the day, Alanis Morissette had like $11 million stolen from her business manager or something, um, like in the late 90s. And it's like, how do you not notice that money's missing? But you know, I, I even like with my own little baby company, I'm like an Oprah where I'm like, I want to sign every check because you just don't know really where it gets very confusing. So I do give her grace on that, but I was not expecting. And and after that interview, I actually formed a little bit of a friendship with Lisa Barlow. And, um, she was actually just in LA a couple of weeks ago. And, and like, I was like, I did not expect this to be like the, I heart hate Lisa Barlow reunion when mm-hmm. a person is up for like to be federally in, indicted. Yeah. Yeah. That was interesting. Everyone was after Lisa Barlow, but I love, I love Lisa Barlow. I just love, to me, she's, she really is like all of the things I want from a real housewife. I think she's, she does stir the pot, but she does it in a way that's not annoying to me. I don't know. I just like her a lot. Well, I, I feel a, I have a soft spot for her because we are uh, very the same person. Uh, I think I'm farther along in my therapy journey that I know how to apologize for things even when I'm not sorry for them, um, which is like the next step in therapy. But like she, we we both got in trouble because like when you live your life and you're you, I always say like I live my life with my blinders on. Like I'm just kind of going in my life and I'm just doing the thing that I need to do every day, and I don't really pay those bees too much mind. Like what's going on? And so what happens is people are like, "You're such a bitch. You're so cold. You don't give a fuck about anyone." And I was like, "No, this is the amount of energy I have in the day for my shit." And like I have a couple best friends that I open up to, but everyone else, like there's been many times that people come on Lady Gang podcast and Becca yells at me after, and she's like, "The podcast ended and you were so." fucking cold like he was like bye and I was like that's just my personality like I I can't I'm just not that person and I feel like Lisa's the same way she gets a really bad rap for being a dick but it's like I just don't think she's she's just not yeah it's just person it's uh speaking of lady gang tell me what's going on with lady gang these days what do you have going on what can you tell us oh Danny well I was just on I was just on lady gang everyone go listen I mean, yes, and because now I have to call you New York Times best. <gasps> we did it, Kelsey. We did it. You did. I have to. Can I tell everyone on my show just that? Oh, I sure, ha- sure, sure. I had texted you I, weeks before the book came out. My book came out, 
And you were like, okay, Danny, here's what we're going to do. And you like texted me this plan of like, this is how we're getting you on New York Times. We're doing it. And it was just so sweet. And I was just so grateful to you because, you know, it's, it, it's very nice. And you are also a New York Times bestselling author. So you also know how difficult it is. And yes. uh, you were so incredibly helpful. You had me on Lady Gang. And of course, I love all of the Lady Gang listeners, um, but well, you were so sweet about it. People love you. And, and I would say, you know, um, that I think the reason that your book actually ended up on the list is because of the substance of it. I think Thank the you. New York Times, I have no fucking idea what I'm saying, but I do think the New York Times, they do not love a reality show book. I think it's very difficult. We just saw Rachel Lindsay and Chriselle, who have massive followings, put out their books and neither one of them made the Times list, right? I think. Um, and well, I, I didn't see them post on Instagram, which means they probably didn't. Um, and, and with I that, posted it everywhere. I'm like telling everyone, too. like the oh, no, mail. I it on, like framed it on the wall. I'm like, the mail lady came that day and I was like, I'm New York Times. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, I subscribed to the New York Times just when we had the book coming out, just so I could see it in the paper, but they don't do, we were a how-to book. So mm. we, we didn't get the official paper. Anyway, oh. so what I'm saying is that the substance of your book was incredible. Like it was not just a Housewives deep dive. Like it, it was... It was, it reminded me of like a, a Chelsea Handler-ish um, deep dive into just the, the brain, like almost like a Chelsea Handler meets David Sedaris, like kind of mix of these things. And, and I read it, I read, I read so much. I read like four books a week, but I read it. And, and when I finished it, I remember feeling like a sense of joy for you because I felt like this was just the beginning for you. I feel like there's Thank seven you. books. There's a mini series. Like, I just feel like the way you wrote was so vulnerable and funny, but also like just the best of both worlds. So like, if you. you're listening, which I know everyone bought the book, but like you have to get it. It's great. Thank great you. Job. Thank you. You know, just because we're here, I, it was really hard to, to not do a housewives book because sure. every publisher that I went to wanted me to do some sort of housewives book. And I just, I felt like there was an opportunity to do something else. And so I'm so grateful to anyone who's read it and, and liked it because it was just a real challenge, as you know, to publish any sort of book yeah. is, is a challenge, but to try to do something that all the publishers were, were saying no to is just yeah. makes it feel good then. Anyway, Lady Gang though. Okay. Oh, so yeah. I also... Oh, wait, hold on, hold on. Yeah, I okay, got okay. to add okay. to that. I got to add okay. to that because okay. we're, we're in a moment here. Okay. The, the thing I want to say is that, so I recently announced that I'm working on a new music series for CBS that I created and executive producing. I'm going to be hosting it. We actually start shooting next week. Um, and when it got announced, Jonathan Bennett wrote me and he wrote me the most lovely text message. And he said, he said, Kelty, like, I'm so proud of you, but I want to take the moment to like, just acknowledge all the nose in your life. Like you're having this major yes. And for you, Danny, like your book is this major yes. You finally got it out. And then all those publishers were like, no, we don't like it. Like, go fuck yourself. I'm on the New York Times list. Like that's such a great spiteful petty thing. But 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 when you have a yes in your life, it's like it's in celebration of all of that rejection. And I loved how Jonathan said that. And it's like all those publishers that were like, we only want you if you'll do a housewife book or you took this idea for this book and so many people said no. And for Lady Gang, our first book, only one publisher wanted us like there was I mean, I, they probably will be very disappointed to hear this, but you didn't have to, you know, do the right. deal that way because like no one else wanted us. We're coming to you no matter what. Um, and 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 so just getting that yes is such a big deal, but it's a really celebration of all the rejection. So I love decorating the house and getting furniture, but sometimes it could be overwhelming to design a space. And so luckily, I'm here to tell you about a company called Cozy. Now, Cozy is fantastic, a North American company that 
thoughtfully designs furniture made for modern living. Now, Cozy strives to provide the best furniture shopping experience with elegant, super high quality products, plus fast delivery and easy assembly, which is really important to me because I do not like putting together furniture. So the easier, the better for me. Now, Cozy offers a beautiful, customizable sofas and sectionals that are made to adapt in time. This means customers can add seats to the sofas over time. Maybe if you're extending your family, you might want more space on the couch. Cozy also offers a great range of coffee tables, washable rugs, wall shelving, credenzas, TV stands, and accessories. So much. It's thoughtfully designed furniture made for modern living. There's an outdoor sofa and tables collection that is fantastic. It's called the Mistral. So you can choose the perfect sofa configuration for your outdoor setup. Uh, Cozy also opened its first retail space on Queen Street in Toronto to push the experience to the next level and allow customers to engage physically with the products. So transform your living space today with Cozy. Visit Cozy.com, spelled C-O-Z-E-Y, to start customizing your furniture today. Again, that's Cozy, C-O-Z-E-Y, dot com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Wait, so the CBS show, though, it sounds so fun. So when is it out? When can we watch it? It's going to be coming out in the fall. Super um, fan, right? Is that what it's called? Fan. Super fan. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it's, it's, it is like my life's work. I have had this idea for over 10 years and then was just so busy doing my own thing. And during COVID, just realized like I didn't really want to stand on red carpets and follow people anymore. And, and my husband's in the music business and, and I love the, if, if I had one ounce of musical talent, I would be in a band like, auto syncing myself like 100%, but I have zero. And, um, and finally, like the time was right. And, and I took it back to the network and I was like, I want to do this. And they loved it. And then we've just been sitting in hell for two years because we didn't want to have an audience that had masks on. Like if you're seeing the super fans, you want to see their face. And what's really cool is I do feel like over COVID, it became very, unpopular to be a famous rich person. Like it was almost like the the masses, like all of us, we like revolted. We were like, oh, you, it was so hard to quarantine in your big house with your, your mansion. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, oh, it's so hard for you. Um, so this show really is the antithesis of that because it's, or the antidote, I guess, because it, it really is a sell. These artists are like saying a giant thank you to their fans. So it's a one hour music special where we're celebrating the music of Shania Twain and you get to hear Shania Twain sing 15 songs and her melody and all this trivia and all this stuff. Um, but it's mostly just this like love letter to the fans of like, Hey, you put me here and the fans get to compete and show that they're the number one super fan. But it was so funny. Like Gloria Estefan is doing an episode and she's I love so her. huge and crazy and loves her fans so much. She was like, okay, well, what's the prize? And she was like, well, they could come live with me for a week like it was I was like well that's we're never gonna get that past the legal team Gloria and she's like okay they can like you know it's like these these people really care about their fans so much so I think it's gonna be really special and my outfits are amazing and I'm so I can't wait I can't wait. But also, I feel like I could have been on the Gloria Estefan episode because I, and the Shania one, you know, I love Shania Twain, got kicked out of a Shania concert. But with Gloria Estefan, when I was leaving for college, 
she was performing in Cleveland the night before and someone from my family got free tickets, like a handful of free Gloria Estefan tickets. And I, I love Gloria Estefan worshiper. Yeah. And my mom was, it was the last night before I was going to go live somewhere else for the first time. My mom was so emotional and we decided as a family, like, let's go to the Gloria Estefan concert. But it was so emotional because my mom was crying the entire time because I was leaving away for college the next morning. And so I just remember sitting. (laughs) But we, I remember like looking over my mother, like tears just streaming down her face during like turn the beat around or like some one of her, even her fast music. (laughs) I loved it. I loved it. I loved her. And it was a memory that I'll never forget. I mean, I've seen her a couple of times in concert, but I think she's. I would love you to come to the taping. Oh, I would, I would die. I would love to. So each episode is going to be a different artist. Yeah. So it's six oh, episodes in each one. We have Pitbull, by the way, crazy. Mr. Worldwide. Oh my God. I, I really was like, I love Pitbull. And then I was like, does he have crazy fans? Wow. People are like, anyway, Ella Cool J, who we love. <sighs> um, Gloria Estefan, Shania Twain, who I'm like the biggest stan of. Um, Cause we're both Canadian. Um, we're doing little big town, which is the, the uh, country. country. Love. Mm-hmm. And for our youngie, we're doing Kelsey Ballerini, who I fucking love. She was on the CMT awards this week hosting and she got COVID and she had to do it from home, but she still did her like eight outfits. She's the cutest. So I'm so excited. You know, I used to work for the ACM awards back in oh. the day. I used to run the fan pit. So I was, I, I feel like I know a lot more to, uh, about country music than people. I'm a country okay. music fan. Yeah. Um, anyway, Kelsey. Okay. I got to let you go. Where can people find you on social media? Where can they listen to lady gang? Everyone buy the lady gang book. Tell me all of that stuff. Okay. So lady gang, we are um, at the lady gang and you can listen every Tuesday and Thursday. And I'm just at Kelty and um I just really just want to say thanks for having me on. Um, we had, when you were on our podcast a few weeks ago, we had so many wonderful comments. They're like, my God, we've been waiting. Like Danny's so amazing. I feel like our fan bases are very, I don't want to say fan bases, but like our listeners are very aligned. They are the same girl, if you will. Um, and so I think it's like really cool um, that you're in the world and having success on the show. And I just, I really begged Danny to have me on the podcast so that all of his listeners will come over to Lady Gang. So just come on over. Oh my God. Yes. Yeah. If, if you listen to everything iconic, you'll love Lady Gang. And I'm sure there's so much crossover and people are like, oh, we already listen to Bolt. So don't tell us that. But I, I, I know if, if people haven't check out Lady Gang, it's fantastic. And I love hanging with you all so much. So anytime you want me, I'm there and hopefully you'll come back soon. And I love you. Thank you so much for stopping by and everyone uh, look forward to super fan. I can't wait for that. I'm so excited. And um, I'll text you about Gloria. Bye. Please. Love you. Bye. Bye. 